Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is the UFC in Auckland, New Zealand. Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder in an absolute banger of a lightweight main event. But of course, as those of you who frequent the show know, we will not be talking about that or any of the main card fights. And that's really because this is the prelim primer. And for those of you who are new to the show, we are here to give you the breakdown that you do not typically see elsewhere, which is the breakdown of all those prelim fights in an easy-to-digest 15-minute format. So you're going to get everything that you need to know in order to gamble or play daily fantasy sports using 15 minutes of your day. You can't beat it. And of course, the prelim primer is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. What you're going to do to start is you're going to head on over to wherever it is you download apps. You're going to download the Maroon Social app. From there, you can set up your profile with your name, where you train, who your instructor is, and what your main martial art is. And from there, there's all kinds of awesome features, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on this show, I'm going to teach you how to use the app in between every single one of our rounds. So make sure you hang on for that as well as all of this great breakdown. And this great breakdown, of course, could not happen without a phenomenal co-host. I am joined today by Blaine Henry from Fight Library. Blaine, thanks for joining us. My man, what is going on? Damn, but the plan, I guess I'm a rapper now. <laughs> I guess so. Well, uh, let's get started on talking about UFC in Auckland, New Zealand. So, uh, as you guys know, we always start every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jake Matthews versus Emil Weber-Meek. So, Jake Matthews 4-1 and one in his last five. Most recently, he beat Rostam Akman by decision back in October. Emil Weber-Meek, we have not seen since 2018. He last lost back-to-back decisions to Kamar Usman and Bartros Fab. Fabinski. Uh, obviously, this is a real weird comeback fight for Meek, a guy who is not on a roll and has suspect takedown defense. Do you expect to see enough grappling defense from here, from him here, in order to put up a fight against Jake Matthews? Absolutely not. I'm sorry, Emil, but this is a layup for Jake Matthews. They are go- giving him a bone going into this fight in his home country. I don't think Emil Rubomik has any chance at keeping Jake Matthews off of him this night. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It's such a weird decision to make this matchup, especially with the role that Jake Matthews has been on. And like I said in, in the preview there, too, he just fought Rostam Akman, which is, an, again, a really weird pick. I don't know if that was a fill-in fight or just somebody they picked, but like, it's been a really weird run for Jake Matthews, being that he is still pretty young, still pretty gifted, and I feel like they should be accelerating him more here. Am I wrong? Yeah, but, I, uh, you know, sometimes uh, they, they've had tragedy in their own hometowns to where they uh, they come up with a loss. And it's like, why would you why would you even match this up? Um, so I feel like this is kind of a nod to Jake Matthews. Like, hey, here's a good here's a good fight. You can win it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I'm going to take him here by submission early in the first round. I think he gets it done as quickly as he wants. How about you? Yeah, he, he, he does whatever he wants in this fight. If he wants to go two, if he wants to go one, that's fine. Or if he wants to take it a distance, that's fine. He will win this fight however he wants. All right, and that takes us to Kai Kara France versus Tyson Nam. Kai Kara France, 3-0 and in the UFC until decision loss to Brandon Moreno back in December. That made him 3-1. and Tyson Nam lost his UFC debut to 
uh, Sergio Pettis, which certainly no shame in that before Pettis moves on to Bellator. Now, obviously, it looks like Nam is going to get a little bit more of a willing combatant here in his second fight. Somebody who's willing to throw bombs with him, which is kind of what he wanted out of Pettis and didn't get. Uh, if this does turn into a slugfest, who do you favor? I like Ty Carr. Francis is actually my most exciting fight on the entire card, even over Felder and Hooker. Um, Ty Carr France is one of my favorites in the flyweight division, and Tyson Nam is no joke either. He's 18 and 10 and won, I think, no contest. Uh, Ty Carr France is 20 and 8, so we got a lot of experience coming into the cage here. Um, this, along with it being flyweights, is going to be the most exciting fight on the card, without a doubt. Yeah, I sort of agree with you on this one, and I especially think it's going to be exciting because, like I said, both of these two have legitimate knockout power for 125-pounders, which is pretty rare to see. You know, like, if you look back at some of Tyson Nam's fights before he got to the UFC, he was putting guys to absolutely to sleep, not stunning them and following up with TKOs. He's got absolutely one-touch power, as well as Kaikara France does on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, the flyweight season there. He looked like he could touch anybody and knock them clean out. So here's the question. You said you favor Kai Kara France. If it does turn into a slugfest, do you think it turns into a slugfest? I do think it turns into a slugfest. I think they're going to give everybody what they want to see and get the show off on the road um, pretty pretty early on in the prelims. So I, I do I do think this is going to be exactly what everyone wants it to be, and that's uh, two guys throwing bombs at each other. All right, and here's the, the bigger question now. So you said you favors Kai Kara France. It sounds like that's who you're picking in this fight. If that is who you're picking, do you think he gets that knockout, or do you think this is 15 minutes of slug him out? This is 15 minutes of slug him out without a doubt. These two guys are very talented strikers. Both of them have a lot of experience. They know how to not get knocked out, so it'll be fun to see uh, them go at it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you here, and I'm going to go with you as well. I'm going to go with Kaikara France here uh, by decision. Now, we've got enough time for one more fight here in the first round. Let's talk about Jalen Turner versus Joshua Kulabau. Turner... Uh, one and two in the UFC, he re most recently starched Cowan Potter, who we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, in under a minute. And, and then he had a decision loss to Matt Fravola. Uh, Kulabau, 8-0, making his UFC debut. He last won by KO back at a company called Super Fight MMA 10 over a guy named Josh Payne. Now, obviously, this is an opponent change for Jalen Turner. Do you think Joshua Kulabau has anything on short notice here against the veteran? Uh, you know, and he's not that much more experienced than Joshua. Um, Jalen Turner is kind of on his last leg in the UFC, like you mentioned. He wanted to. Um, that that one starching of Potter does really help him out a lot. But Joshua is also somebody that needed to come into the UFC. He's the best, according to Tapology. Um, that's a shameless plug, sorry. According to Tapology, <laughs> he is uh, number one featherweight in Australia and New Zealand. He belongs in the UFC. He's eight and zero. Um, this could be really a coming out party for Joshua in his UFC debut. Uh, yeah, I sort of agree with you on that one. I, I think we're going to be impressed by his abilities here. I just worry about the physicality of Jalen Turner because I, I think one of the most impressive parts of him is how strong he is. And he's super young. Uh, so it sounds like you're high on Kulabau, though. Uh, who do you got winning this one and how do you see him winning it? Well, this is the, the closest fight on the card here. He was supposed to be fighting, uh, who was it? Malarkey, mm. uh, which is Jamie Malarkey. <laughs> Yeah, that's a funny name. But anyways, um, I'm going to go ahead and take Jalen Turner, um, I, but it's a toss-up to me. I really I really can't pick either way on this uh, fight and who wins it and how. All right, I'm going to take Jalen Turner as well. I'm, I'm going to take it by TKO late in the fight. Uh, I think he's he's got a lot of skills here, and I think we're going to see a little bit more out of him. And that's going to do it for the end of the first round. We're going to move on to the second round with two more fights after a quick word from our sponsors. 
Alright guys, so at the top of the show, I mentioned to you guys that you should download the Maroon Social app if you train a martial art, and I stand by that, but I also want to tell you a little bit about what you can do once you've downloaded the app. So, hopefully at the beginning of the show, you downloaded the app, and now I'm going to tell you the cool feature, or the coolest feature, about this app. The coolest feature is that you can log your training sessions. So after each and every session, you can say how long you put into rolling, how long you put into instructional time, you can tag the different techniques that you worked on you can tag the different people who you worked on them with and you can write yourself notes and the notes to me are the most important thing because if I'm learning week to week month to month how well I'm doing I need to make sure that I have little bits and pieces that I can't forget and you know previously I put them in notebooks or you know I wrote them down on scrap paper and I've lost them right or I put them in the notes in my phone and then you drop your phone in the water and it's gone Maroon Social saves them all in one place for you so that no matter what phone you're on, if you, you download that app, you log in with your username, you've got that information right there. So I highly suggest checking out Maroon Social. Now, back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Cowan Potter versus Song Kanan. Cowan Potter, one-on-one in the UFC. He got KO'd fast by Jalen Turner, as we just recently mentioned. And then he picked up a decision win over Maki Pitalo, who we'll be talking about a little bit later on. Song Kanan, 3-1 in the UFC. He most recently took a decision over Derek Krantz. So Potter looked much better from the first to the second fight. Would you attribute that more to his octagon jitters in his debut, or is he clearly making big improvements in his game? Well, um, he's 35, so I don't think he's making that giant of improvements. I do think it was jitter. I also think he took on a tough fight with Jalen Turner. Um, Jalen is, like like we mentioned, he's not the greatest in the UFC, but he's still very good. Um, he's fighting at 170 now, too, instead of 155, which is what they fought at uh, in their fight. So him and Kanan Song, that's going to be a really fun fight, um, and that's another war, I think. Yeah, I sort of agree with you on that one, but the one thing I will say about Cowan Potter, and the thing that worries me about him, is that if you look at that fight with Maki Pitolo, a lot of what he does is he gets on on Wizards, and, and he's got overhooks and stuff like that, and, and he's ta- he tossed Maki Pitolo around a little bit with those. I, I, I know he couldn't do that against Jalen Turner, even if it was a longer fight, he wasn't going to be able to do that with Jalen Turner. And I worry that he can't do that with Song Kanan, because Song Kanan, not only is he a natural 170, but he is a big 172. He is not a small guy at all. The dude's six foot tall. He's built like a house. Um, and, you know, the only person who gave him any trouble on the ground is Alex Morano. And Alex Morano's a big dude, too. Uh, so, like, I don't think Cowan Potter is going to be able to win the same way he did against Maki Pitolo. And that worries me about it, too, because, you know, like, I think that this is a tough matchup for him. Uh, so it seems like you're leaning towards uh, Callan Potter, or maybe I'm wrong, but who do you no, got? I'm, who do you I'm got? Leading, this one? I'm leading the song. If you look at that Alex Morono fight, it was a very close fight. Um, the, the, the book showed just a decision for, for Morono, but that was a tough fight for Morono and ended up getting fight of the night. Um, so it was a great fight. Song Kanan came out and he did his thing. So while he didn't get the decision, he still grew from that. It wasn't like a starching, like, uh, Calvin Potter got in his last, or his Jalen Turner fight. So I'm really leaning towards Song uh, Song Kanan just simply for the size and the experience. All right, and how do you see him getting it done? I see him just dominating from bell to bell. All right, and I'm actually going to take him by TKO. I think he gets him out of there uh, in either the first or the second because, you know, he does have some power, and he showed that a little bit earlier in his UFC career. 
And that's going to take us to the next fight where we're going to talk about Maki Pitolo coconut bombs himself versus Takashi Saito. So Pitolo 0-1 in the UFC, the decision lost the aforementioned Cowan Potter. Before that, he won on the Contender Series, got his contract with a TKO victory over Justin Sumter. He's fighting Takashi Saito, who's 1-1 in the UFC. He started by KOing Ben Saunders pretty quickly, and then he took a rear naked choke loss to Bilal Muhammad. Uh, obviously, this is a little bit similar to what we talked about with Kai Kara France in that Takashi Saito wanted a slugfest his last time out. He wanted to throw bombs. Bilal Muhammad did not, you know, oblige him with what he wanted. Will coconut bombs do that here for him? And if so, what's the outcome? Well, I, I think Sato has a lot more um, octagon experience in the UFC um then the maki i just he fight he fought below muhammad who's a great fighter um below is one of the best welterweights in the world um he might not be top top 10 might not be top five but he's still a great welterweight he also beat ben saunders with some ground and pound in his first ufc fight so his ufc experience there i like it a lot more than the single calvin potter site in the the uh contender series fight that uh maki coconut bombs had so i really do like uh takashi sato in this fight and, and and you know you mentioned in there you know that you like takashi sato due to the experience here it, it's not a ton more experience but it is definitely more experience and it's against more experienced guys do you think that his experience against those guys plays well into the style that pizzolo is going to bring yes i do actually um he, he just he fought some really tough guys and i like i like what he showed in those tough guys too do you, do you think he's got the power to get Pitolo out of there? Because Pitolo, you know, notoriously, you know, they don't call him coconut bombs for nothing, notoriously got a hard head. No, he's not going to knock him out. He's, he, he's not going to submit him or anything like that. He's just going to beat him up for three rounds. All right. I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. I like Maki Pitolo. Uh, one of the reasons I like him here is because, I mean, like, with the exception of a KO loss about, you know, three and a half years ago, nobody's really tagging Maki Pitolo on the feet, and Takashi Saito doesn't seem like the type of guy with enough ground game to give him trouble there. Uh, you know, Cowan Potter beat him by taking him to the ground. I, I like Pitolo on his feet. I was huge on Justin Sumter before the Contender Series. So to see him take out a guy who I was already big on, uh, you know, he's earned my respect. And I'm going to take Pitolo, and I'm going to say by knockout, too. I think he gets Saito out of there. Uh, and that's going to do it for the end of the second round. We got two more fights coming at you with round number three after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, guys, so we talked about how to log training sessions in the last segment, plus we talked about how to download the app. I want to tell you now that you can also log all of your competitions in Maroon Social. That is the coolest part about Maroon Social. So many times I've thought to myself, hey, I had a really good match. Uh, what day was – what month was it? Uh, was it at Grappling Industries or not? I couldn't remember, but the cool thing now is since I've been using the Maroon Social app for the last year and a half, I have all of that information in one nice, easy-to-remember place. Plus, it's a great place to put notes in case you did something really stupid, like left my foot behind in a 50-50 and wound up getting heel hooked. Don't want to do that again, so we work on that. And, and you can put a little note in there and remind yourself that when you go training, you got to work on that. So all of those types of features are awesome. Plus, you can put weigh-ins, you can tag friends, you can make friends, all kinds of other cool things. Check them all out. Maroon Social. Now, let's head on back for round number three. All right, and we are back with round number three. 
We got two more fights to talk about here. We're going to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Luma Lukabume versus Angela Hill. Lukabume took a split decision victory over Alexandra Albu in her debut. Hill is absolutely fighting every other weekend, it seems like. She's fought four times in 2019. This will already be her second fight in 2020. She most recently beat Hannah Cyphers by ground and pound, which was her second straight stoppage victory, not to be overlooked in the strawweight division. Now, Luke Bume is a very small strawweight. She actually used to be an atomweight. She fought at 105 a couple of times. She handled herself well against Alexandra Albu as far as the physicality. Can she do it against Angela Hill? See, this is a really big step up, and if you look at Luma, she was supposed to fight Hannah Goldie, who is a prospect out of Florida that uh, made her UFC debut not too long ago, but Goldie withdrew for injury. They're giving Angela Hill and Luma um, – this gives me flashbacks to the Russia card, by the way, that we first did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're giving her that because they have a lot of faith in Luma. Uh, she, her striking's great, and if you remember that split decision, that really made us all scratch our heads because it, it felt like Luma actually won that fight convincingly but somebody gave it to a split decision um you know and judging hasn't been what it's supposed to be these days i really do like loom in this fight i think angela hill might be a little too much she might be a little bit too big but i still think they it's a good fight yeah and i think the really interesting part of this fight is what happens in the clinch right because angela hill known to move forward known to put the pressure on it almost seems like luma with with her muay thai background might accept the clinch might like the clinch if this goes to the clinch, how do you see it looking when it's in the clinch? Not very good for Luma, that's for sure. Angela, like we said, she's big. She's also got a lot more experience. Um, it, it One thing to fight a million times in Muay Thai, which these Thai fighters do, but Angela Hills fought MMA 18 times compared to Luma's five. So I, I really do like Angela Hill if she keeps it out of Luma's um, wheelhouse, talking Muay Thai, point fighting outside. And she gets it dirty and makes it her fight. I think that she takes the win easily. That's interesting, and and that's how you see it going. If that's your official prediction, she takes a decision here. Yeah, I do see Angela taking it. Or no, actually, you know what? No, I think Angela's going to knock her out in the third. All right, I like that prediction, but I'm actually going to differ with you again. I'm going to take Luma Luke Bume. I think she looks good in the clinch. I think she fights out of the clinch well. And I actually think Angela Hill doesn't want part any part of her in the clinch. She might try to push her up against the cage, but, you know, I don't think she's going to get what she wants. I'm going to go Luke Bume by decision, and probably a split decision here, because the judges are going to see it in some wacky-ass way. Uh, and that brings us to our last fight of the night, which is Priscilla Cachoeira versus Shayna Dobson. Cachoeira, 0-3 in the UFC, losses to... Uh, Shevchenko, McCann, and Luana Carolina, hell of a lineup there. Dobson, after winning her debut, has dropped back-to-back -back decisions to Lauren Muller and Sabrina Mazzo. So, uh, obviously, this is a, a rough fight for both of them because it seems like the loser probably gets shown the door. Whose skills are you banking more with their back against the wall? Well, Priscilla has championship fight, which is kind of weird to say because... Um, that Valentina Shevchenko fight was that infamous one where Mario Yamasaki uh, did not let her – did not call the fight like he should have. Uh, and then she fought Molly McCann, who's who's one of the best fighters in the division for sure, especially right now. Um, and then Luana Carolina, she's a great tie fighter. She has really good, uh, really good hands, and she's long too. So that gave her – Priscilla, a lot of trouble. That said, um, Shannon Dobson is very, very, very talented as well. Um, this is going to be a fun fight, especially to open up the card with. But I, I just, 
it's one of those fights, like you said, it's loser takes nothing home at all. Yeah, and, and you mentioned in there, too, that Cachoeira has had a very tough run of it. I, I mean, I think that's why she's getting another fight at 0-3, right? Like, how many fighters get a second chance with a record like that? Not very many. So, obviously, you know, she's had the toughest of tough runs. She, she's as tough as tough can be. I, I, it'll be interesting to see what her game plan comes out with, because Dobson is a, a talented boxer. You know, she looks good on the feet. She looked good in that Lauren Muller fight until, you know, Muller sort of took control in the later rounds. So, uh, you know, we, we're down to about 15 seconds here in the third round. I got to ask, who do you got and how do you got him? I'm going to take, actually, Shanna Dobson as much as like Priscilla. I think I think Shanna gets it done. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. I'm going to take her by decision as well. And that's going to do it with the very end of our third round. We made it seven full fights in just 15 minutes. We hope you guys enjoyed. And we hope you learned a little something about the prelims in Auckland, New Zealand. I want to thank my co-host for this week, Blaine Henry from FightLibrary.com. Make sure to check out all of his work there and on Twitter at BlaineHenryMMA. Blaine, thanks so much for stopping by, man. Dan, you're the man. Take it easy, brother.